After 65 years, we've pretty much mastered the art of making plastic. What we haven't yet figured out is what to do with the plastic when we're done with it. It lasts a really long time. It doesn't biodegrade, so it just sits there. Of all the forms of plastic being dumped into our oceans and our landfills, you might not think that toothpaste tubes are much to worry about. But you'd be wrong. So there are roughly 20 billion, with a B, toothpaste tubes produced every year. Most of them, or if not all of them, wound up in in landfill. That's because you can't recycle toothpaste tubes. Or at least you couldn't, until Colgate spent five years and millions of dollars coming up with a recyclable tube, and then did something highly irregular with the patent. I'm David Pogue, and this is Unsung Science. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Season 2, Episode 10, The Multi-Million Dollar Toothpaste Tube. Can you imagine, until the late 1950s, there was no such thing as plastic? My parents lived in a world before plastic. Maybe yours, too. The ingenious alchemy of coal and oil provides the material. Ingenious machinery presses and stamps and molds the material into a wide variety of products. Plastic was cheap, sanitary, strong, light, and so durable it could last forever. And that actually is the problem. We manufacture 460 million tons of plastic a year, and we recycle only around 9% of it. The rest goes either into the landfill, or someplace even worse, the ocean. Every year, 14 million tons of plastic ends up in the ocean. Plastic in the ocean has a tendency to break down into ever smaller pieces, and these tiny pieces then get taken up even lower down in the food chain. So we know that um, it ends up on our dinner plates. 
Roland Geyer is a professor of environmental science at UC Santa Barbara who studies how much plastic we throw away. There's plastic in my food? There is plastic in your food, plastic in your sea salt, and there is plastic coming out of your tab. But even with the tiny fraction of plastic that we put into the recycle bin, 40% of that is contaminated by food or paper labels or other materials, and therefore worthless. Recycling plants pull that contaminated stuff out and just throw it away, send it to the landfill. We used to ship the unsaleable plastic to China, where desperately poor people would paw through it and try to find usable bits. But in 2018, the Chinese government decided it no longer wanted to be the world's dumping ground, and the country stopped importing all our dirty plastic. Today, most of our contaminated plastic goes into the landfill or the ocean. Now, at this point, you're probably feeling pretty depressed. But hold on now. It's about to get worse. Even pure, clean plastic that you put into the recycling bin may get pulled out and thrown into the landfill. It's true. Just because it has that little Chasing Arrows Triangle logo on it doesn't mean it's actually recyclable. Welcome to Can You Recycle That? The exciting game show where you realize how little you know about what gets recycled. Let's begin with round one for 100 points. Number one plastic. You look at the little triangle logo on the package and it says number one, number one plastic. That's what soda bottles and food jars are made of. Can you recycle that? Yes, you can. There's a solid market for clean number one plastic. In other words, there are companies willing to buy number one plastic to make into new things. How about number two plastic? That's milk jugs and detergent bottles. Yes, you can. Number one and number two are the good stuff. An impressive 30% of it gets recycled. Well, relatively impressive. But what if it's black plastic, like takeout bowls? No, I'm sorry. Black plastic confuses the optical sorting equipment at most recycling plants. It all goes to landfill. Complain to your restaurants. What about plastics number three, four, five, six, and seven? No! Some cities collect plastic three through seven, but virtually none of it actually gets recycled. It's burned or landfilled. When a company puts that little Recycle Me logo on their number three, four, five, six, and seven plastics, it's just a cynical ploy to make us think they're good citizens. That's called greenwashing. You also can't put plastic bags or plastic wrap into your recycle bin. It gums up the equipment at the plant. Fortunately, most big grocery stores will recycle plastic film. So you're starting to grasp the scope of this problem. And to solve it, we have to do battle with lobbyists for the oil and plastic industries who desperately do not want us to start using less plastic. But this much is for sure. We, the people, cannot solve the problem through individual action. Doing better at recycling won't solve the problem. We need corporations to get involved. 
like the ones that make toothpaste tubes. My name is Greg Cora, I'm Worldwide Director of Global Packaging and Sustainability for Colgate Palmolive. I'm Stefan Habif, and I'm the Chief Technology Officer here at Colgate Palmolive. Now, you might chuckle at the notion of sitting down with two toothpaste executives at the idea that they might do something about the plastic crisis. But that's only because you don't appreciate the scale of the toothpaste tube problem. So there are roughly 20 billion, with a B, toothpaste tubes produced every year. Most of them, or if not all of them, wound up in, in, in landfill. 20 billion is pretty bad, but it could get a lot worse because... And I hope you're sitting down thinking happy thoughts. It turns out that about 45% of the world's population does not use toothpaste. Also, 70% of the world does not use toilet paper. But that's a different conversation. The point is, there is still way too many people in too many countries that either don't, don't have any oral hygiene or don't brush their teeth with a fluoride toothpaste or don't brush often enough. He's pointing out that all that unbrushed humanity could be a business opportunity for Colgate. These people could one day buy toothpaste. Or to put it more kindly, we have been addressing a major health crisis that is right under our nose. WHO has estimated that 45% of the world population is affected by oral disease. WHO is the World Health Organization. So what we've been trying to do, we've been trying to make sure that everyone brushes twice a day with fluoride toothpaste. And that would improve their health. Because by the way, oral health has been linked to systemic health. Issues like diabetes, like uh, uh, cardiovascular disease, etc. But in doing that, we will increase the amount of toothpaste tubes that are being produced. So... We also concerned, obviously, about our planet and sustainability. So yes, Colgate does intend to spread its toothpaste to the vast unbrushed masses, but Colgate also realizes that, as Spider-Man's Uncle Ben put it, With great power comes great responsibility. Okay, so somewhere along the line, somebody internally at the company said, guys, we got to do something about these billions of toothpaste tubes. Yep. We needed to deliver a recyclable toothpaste package, right? And we called it a package because we didn't know at that time whether it would be a a tube or not. So this goal was set before we knew there was even a pathway to a solution and before we knew how much scale it could be. So that was the impetus or, or the starting. The year was 2014. And we looked very broadly and really obsessed with the problem of why are toothpaste tubes not recyclable? Why is toothpaste even in a tube? What needed to be true to make them recyclable? It began five years of uh, R&D work that went in, in a number of different directions. I mean, really? What could possibly take five years? Well, the big problem is that every one of those 20 billion tubes a year is made of more than plastic. Every single one has an aluminum lining inside, so you can't recycle it. There's no machine on Earth that can separate out the plastic from the metal foil. They're bonded together forever. And then because of that, they weren't accepted by uh, recyclers uh, at scale anywhere. So if I were to take an empty toothpaste tube, cut it in half, 
I would see that the inside is actually reflective, shiny metal. For today's conventional tubes, yes. Okay, so why not just get rid of the metal lining? Then, boom, people can toss the plastic tube into the recycling bin. Well, the metal lining is there for the same reason potato chip and snack bags have metal linings, to lock in freshness. What that metal layer is doing for you, it's a barrier, oxygen, flavor, many things, and you get the plastic for performance, the metal for barrier. I kind of giggle every time he uses the word performance when we're talking about a tube of toothpaste. But he means all the things we want from a toothpaste tube. By perform, it needed to protect, be hygienic, and all of those things from squeezability to heat resistance and other things. And above all, preserve the flavor. Colgate is very focused on the performance of flavors. For many of our our brands, people have been brushing their teeth with it their entire life, right? So the flavor profile couldn't change. I would say of that five-year R&D process, it could have been about a year shorter had we not paid such attention to the flavor. Now, remember, pretty much the only kinds of plastic we universally recycle in this country are number one and number two. So it seemed pretty clear to Colgate that the new tube would have to be made of number one or number two. The technical name for number one plastic is PEAT, polyethylene terephthalate. Yeah, there's a P-H-T-H in there, terephthalate, the soda bottle plastic. And the full name of number two plastic, the milk jug plastic, is high-density polyethylene, fondly known as HDPE. And when we look at recycling, HDPE is one of the two main recycling streams that are in practice and at scale globally. When we embarked on this, our target was a scaled, viable recycling stream. This idea about let's let's make it mostly of HDPE, how long through the process did that idea come up with? Not right off the bat. So we knew what we were targeting, but we didn't yet know how to get there. Hmm. Especially because number two plastic alone couldn't maintain the flavor and freshness of the toothpaste. The tube still needed a lining. It just couldn't be metal anymore. So, so we needed to re-engineer the entire tube to be mostly out of a single material to replace the flavor barrier with a new material uh, that's compatible with HDPE. So we took the aluminum foil out. We brought in a material called uh, uh, EVOH, which is a, a plastic compatible barrier. EVOH stands for ethylene vinyl alcohol copolymer. EVOH. You'd think you'd say it Evo, although I guess that would sound too much like Evu, you know, extra virgin olive oil. You wouldn't want to make your salad dressing with Evo. Anyway, here's what Wikipedia says about EVOH. It's a, quote, plastic resin commonly used as an oxygen barrier in food packaging. It is better than other plastics at keeping air out and flavors in. It is highly transparent, weather-resistant, oil and solvent resistant, flexible, moldable, recyclable, and printable. Its drawback is that it is difficult to make and therefore more expensive than other food packaging. End quote. So now they had a prototype that was mostly number two plastic 
with a thin layer of EVOH plastic to lock in freshness. It's mostly HDP. It's about 95% high-density polyethylene, which is the target. Okay. And it doesn't matter for a recycling standpoint that there are different kinds of plastic in there? Yes. So uh, we engaged with an organization called the Association of Plastics Recyclers, which is a, a recycling trade group. And early on, we said, here's our idea. We're developing a tube that will recycle with HDPE bottles. How can we do it in a way that this is valuable material for you? They have a set of criteria that a package needs to meet to be compatible with that stream. And they have acceptable levels of other materials in there. And the EVOH barrier is part of that. And we were able to demonstrate through testing, through data, that this tube is compatible with the HDPE bottle stream, even going so far as we took our tubes and made fabric conditioner jugs out of them. <laughs> and they passed all the performance uh, requirement. So what happens to that thin layer of plastic that isn't the HDPE stuff? Does it just get melted down and it's... Yes. So the small uh, part of EVOH um, goes with the HDPE uh, and is compatible. But even with the flavor issue under control, an all-plastic tube would never get off the ground without a fix for the stiffness problem. HDPE is milk jug plastic. It's way too stiff. You don't squeeze your milk out of a milk jug. You pour it. But toothpaste doesn't pour. We redesigned it to be high-density polyethylene, which is a rigid material. And we need to make a soft, squeezable tube out of it. <laughs> uh, so the breakthrough was to use a variety of different layers and grades of high-density polyethylene that, when used together, gave you the strength you needed with the squeezability and a nice flat sheet. It was time to make a prototype, the Prototype 1 tube of 2014. It was squeezable, all right. Unfortunately, the texture came out wrong. So there's an effect called orange peel, right? So if you think of an orange peel, it's very stippled on the, the surface, uh -huh. um, which is great for a fruit, but for a package you need to print on, uh, makes it much more difficult to produce at scale. So this was... In version one, a big problem we had. Uh, so we needed to reformulate the grade of material and the filmmaking process to improve that smoothness. Six months later, the team was back with prototype number two. It was squeezable. It was printable. The only problem was a side effect that the executives of Colgate Palmolive Incorporated could not bear to contemplate Flavor scalping. Meaning flavor was still leaking out through the walls of the tube. Enter Dr. Jun Wang, Colgate's lead materials scientist. You have to meet Dr. Jun Wang. He was absolutely convinced that he would get there. It is a scientist that has such a resilience and passion to solve this problem that for him there was no question that he was going to get there. Wang's solution was to move the EVOH layer inward. The tube walls are made up of very thin layers of plastic, and the EVOH barrier was in the middle of them, like 
the cheese in a grilled cheese sandwich. He thought that if they moved the EVOH layer closer to the toothpaste, it might solve the problem of flavor scalping. And he was right. By the end of 2015, Colgate had itself a third prototype without any flavors, you know, flavor leakage. Now, at last, they were done, right? Ready to ship this puppy? Not quite. The plastic of a toothpaste tube starts out as a big flat sheet. They print on it while it's still a sheet, which they then chop up and roll into tubes. The tubes get filled with toothpaste, sealed, and shipped out to your waiting mouth. But once they'd moved the EVOH layer, the layers of the sheet were no longer symmetrical from top to bottom. The grilled cheese cheese had moved too close to one side of the sandwich, and the sheets no longer lay flat. Each layer of the plastic reacted differently to tension, and the result was a sheet that wanted to roll up by itself, like a movie poster that's been rolled up in its tube too long. When they rolled that up into a tube, it wasn't a perfect cylinder at the opening. By moving it inward, you now have an asymmetrical material. Oh my God, this is way more complicated than you would think. And we like round tubes because they look nice, but they're also important for scale, right? We make very, very high speed, millions of tubes a day. So you need a consistent round tube to work on high speed equipment. So, and this is the heart of Dr. Wong's patent. He engineered a structure where the internal forces in this laminate, and you could think of it, you know, like plywood or like a, a sandwich of material, he was able to engineer the net result of all these materials so that it was dimensionally stable. The forces were counteracting and it was nice and flat. And it made a very nice round tube. In other words, Wong counteracted the unevenness of the different layers' tensile properties by adding and subtracting various other layers of different thicknesses until the whole thing lay flat. In the end, we're talking about a lot of layers. A single wall of the finished tube is composed of nine layers of plastic, some of them ridiculously thin, like 15 microns thick. That's about one-seventh the thickness of a sheet of paper. Colgate still had some bugs to work out, but the team had conquered the really show-stopping challenges. I really appreciate what you've done here, and I hate to poke holes in it, but guess what? When I throw that thing in the recycling bin, it's still got caked-on leftover toothpaste contaminating the plastic. But it's, it's I mean, this is very easy because that, that toothpaste actually is a, is a water-based product that's kind of dissolves in the washing at the recycling facility. There is nothing left. So it's really not a problem for the recycling facilities. Wow. And we also know that people tend to use the vast majority of the toothpaste in the tube. They are very creative. Our people using our product are very creative in getting the last bit of toothpaste out of the toothpaste tube. <laughs> and so... After five years and eight generations of prototypes, Colgate finally had itself a toothpaste tube that looked and worked exactly like the ones we're used to. The only sign that there's a difference is a little paper flag right at the cap that says, Recycle Me. They'd solved the materials science problems. Now they had to face a bigger challenge, 
the human problem? We'll cover that after the break. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Before the break, Colgate's director of packaging, Greg Cora, was telling us why it took five years and millions of dollars to re-engineer the toothpaste tube to make it recyclable. The version that we brought to market first in 2019 was our eighth iteration of it. And each one, I've got a little slide when we share the technology with, with others that shows one, two, three, four, five, and the challenges we had and what we needed to do to overcome that. It was stiffness. It was how well the, the surface was, how well it protected against flavor. So as with many R&D endeavors, it took iteration. It took creativity. So was there a big pizza party beer bash when they finally got it? More, more than one pizza party, but we knew it's the start of the journey. So internally, we say... We got step one. We're now in the second phase of this project, which is external engagement, driving the industry uh, to move to recyclability. What he's trying to say is that the world wasn't ready for recyclable tubes, hadn't heard of them, was not trained to expect them, was inclined to keep tossing them in the trash. Most people recycle in the kitchen, not in the bathroom. So we're hoping that communication on the tube can trigger them to take it from the bathroom and put it in either their bin or wherever they recycle number two uh, bottles. Is there, will there, has there been any advertising around these new tubes? Yes, we've done something called Share the Answers in Australia, which highlights what to do with the tube. If you look it up, it's a really cute video of two tubes talking to each other, explaining about the aluminum layer. Knock, knock. Who's there? Tank. Tank who? Thank you for recycling me. Gotcha. But there's, there hasn't been a big Super Bowl commercial announcing that you've licked this tube problem. We did not make a Super Bowl commercial <laughs> yet. <laughs> if you ask me, training billions of people to change their behavior like this is a big challenge. But Chief Technology Officer Stefan Habif points out that Colgate has been in the behavior modification business for decades. We have quite a bit of experience in our company to, to positively influence human behavior to positive outcomes. So one of them is brush your teeth twice a day with fluoride toothpaste to get, you know, oral health. Brush your teeth with Colgate. Colgate Dental 
cream, it cleans your breath. Water toothpaste. Water cleans your teeth. Colgate toothpaste. Cleans your breath. Water toothpaste. Water cleans your teeth. The other one in the area of sustainability is turn off the tap while you're brushing your teeth. You keep kind of improving your communication, your model, until you get to this positive outcome. And in this case, is people to recycle the tube to put it in the recycling bin. But retraining us, the people, is only half the battle. There are still thousands of workers in recycling plants who have also been trained to throw out toothpaste tubes. As we engaged with these recycling sorters, um, you know, we were doing a lot of tests. We put radio transmitters on tubes to show it will go into the right place. In one of those cases, we're filming this tube go into the right place. And there's a, a human on the end of the line picked it off because he's trained tubes don't go in this line. So even though the automated equipment recognized this tube is of the right material and the right format, the training was there. So a large focus of the work we're doing now is engaging with recyclers and educating that our tubes are compatible with this stream and, and that you can transition from pulling them off to accepting them. So you got to educate those workers. Correct. And there are thousands of communities in the U.S. alone that set recycling guidance. So this is not a small scale challenge to work through, but we're partnering around the world with organizations in this space with tube working groups that include our peers. Tube working groups? Are you saying that there are, <laughs> there are tube conferences? Oh my God, multiple, more than one. So there's one in North America, there's one in, in, in Europe. We meet multiple times a, a, a year. And this is a place somewhere like myself has a very good time. Frankly, if nothing else comes of having written this podcast episode, just knowing that there is such a thing as tube conferences will have made it all worthwhile. I think what Colgate has done is remarkable. It's obviously not something they did just for PR value. I mean, until Unsung Science came along, as far as I know, hardly anyone even knows they did it. It's something they did for the good of the planet, even though it costs them time and effort to bring about. But here's the thing. Colgate may be responsible for half of the 20 billion tubes we throw away each year. But what about the makers of, you know, Crest and Aquafresh and Arm and & Hammer and Sensodyne? If they don't also switch to recyclable tubes, then we're in a really awkward position. Not only are 10 billion tubes a year still going into the landfill in the ocean, but Colgate's own 10 billion will probably get tossed too. Because we can't really expect recycling plant workers to study every tube that comes down the line and figure out one tube at a time if it's the recyclable kind or not. No, if this is going to work, they all have to be recyclable. And that's where this story takes a twist. A year and a half away from launch, I walked into a meeting and it was it's called the North America Tube Council, which is tube manufacturers. I love that there is a North American Tube Council. I would very much like to have a North American Tube Council t-shirt. Anyway. I did a presentation that outlined our plan, the target for an HDPE tube. I told them, you're all invited to join us in this. We will not defend our, our patent. We're going to open it up. That audience took note and said, okay, Colgate's going down that way. 
you know, and, and it, it happened the way we, we thought that we'd signal how important it was for us. We made this patent available to anyone in the industry who wants to use it. We wanted to make sure that ideally, if all the toothpaste tubes were recyclable, there would be a much less barrier for the recycling community to accept these tubes because they don't even have to do any sorting. Uh, you developed this thing and now you're giving it away. I mean, that's, that's a pretty good gesture. It became clear that we had to drive an industry change and that squirreling this away would be counterproductive to driving that change. In case you're wondering, the other American toothpaste giant, Crest, was not among the companies who availed themselves of Colgate's technology. They did, however, develop their own version of these tubes. Crest 2 is now making its tubes out of multi-layer number 2 HDPE plastic. And Crest 2 has launched a huge education campaign for consumers and recycling plants. All told, nine years after Colgate started down its recyclable tube quest, we can report this astonishing statistic. 90% of the major manufacturers of toothpaste have agreed to switch to recyclable toothpaste tubes and therefore will be able to switch the whole industry and it will be so much easier because in the future, when we get there, there won't be any question, is it recyclable or not? I mean, that is like the first decent, positive, undisputable, good piece of news <laughs> in the plastic pollution world I've heard in a long time. I mean, presumably 10 years from now, you won't see toothpaste tubes in the landfill. That, that is our hope and that's our goal. I love this story. I love that an industry decided to clean itself up. I love that somebody is doing something about the plastics problem. And, by the way, this episode is decidedly not sponsored by Big Toothpaste. No money changed hands. Colgate didn't even approach me about doing this podcast. I approached them. But I had one last niggling doubt. Niggling, but enormous. I'd been deeply affected by a really discouraging report on the Greenpeace website. It argued that the entire concept of plastic recycling is a myth. Here, I'll read it to you. <clears throat> Quote, The plastics and products industries have been promoting plastic recycling as the solution to plastic waste since the early 1990s. Some 30 years later, the vast majority of U.S. plastic waste is still not recyclable. The U.S. plastic recycling rate was estimated to have declined to about 5 or 6% in 2021, down from a high of 9.5% in 2014. Recycling of plastic waste has largely failed and will always fail because plastic waste is, one, extremely difficult to collect, two, virtually impossible to sort for recycling, three, environmentally harmful to reprocess, four, often made of and contaminated by toxic materials, and five, not economical to recycle. Paper, cardboard, metal, and glass do not have these problems, which is why they are recycled at much higher rates. End quote. I asked Greg Cora about that. We recycle so little of our plastic. I mean, somewhere between 5 and 8% is all we manage. So do you ever wake up in the middle of the night going, what are we doing? We can't even get people to recycle at all. 
the stat you mentioned is considering all plastics, including lawn chairs and, and other things. When you get down to specific materials and formats, that number still is not as high as it needs to be, but it's much higher. It's in the 30s, it's in the 40s, depending on country. And that's why we chose HDPE. Is it where it needs to be? Not at all, right? So that that's why we engage with the Recycling Partnership in the U.S., the U.S. Plastics Pact, plastics packs around the world, because that number needs to go up. And to be perfectly fair to Colgate and Crest, the Greenpeace report goes on to say that number one and number two plastic recycling is not a myth, that they are, quote, widely accepted by U.S. recycling plants. I mean, someday, scientists hope that we won't need any kind of plastic for packaging, or at least any kind of petroleum-derived plastic. There are all kinds of materials that come close. I've been the host of 20 specials on NOVA, the PBS science series. And one time, I visited Boston University chemist Malika Jeffries-L. She showed me a cup made entirely of plant-based plastic. It was clear, it was sturdy, it was compostable and recyclable. It looked for all the world like any other plastic cup. So why isn't the world using that plant plastic instead of oil plastic? Um, the biggest limitation is their range for thermal stability. Their range for thermal stability. Yes, so in layperson's terms, you cannot use this for a hot drink. Oh! <laughs> it's perfectly good for your cool beer, your, your soda on the rocks. It's got you covered. But you want to make a hot tea in there? you're going to be in trouble. Well, what, what would happen? I mean, um, well, we could put boiling water in here and let's see what happens. All right. Oh, cool. <laughs> Did you see that? It kind of shrunk up. Oh, it just turned into a compact travel size. It's definitely got its niche, but you'll be surprised on the dumb things that people do. <laughs> the point was, it's very hard to find a material that does everything plastic can do as well as plastic can do it. Okay. Back to Colgate. So is there no other material in the world, anything more biodegradable, that could be used for these tubes besides plastic? We absolutely looked at a range of materials, and we continue to look at range of materials. I would not say it's, it's, it's hopeless. We are focused on a number of avenues, which includes compostable packaging. I wouldn't say it's right around the, the corner, but it is something... So until we find that miracle material, recyclable plastic it is. As we speak, three quarters of Colgate's tubes in the U.S. are recyclable. The company intends to complete the transition to 100% worldwide by 2025, which is, as we now know, an achievement in itself. You know after this episode, people are... <laughs> gonna hold that stupid two-faced tube like it's a treasure from the deep <laughs> like so much work went into this this is my life <laughs> you've just listened to another episode of unsung science with david pogue don't forget that the entire library of shows along with written transcripts await at unsungscience.com my guests today were Stefan Habif and Greg Cora from Colgate, Roland Geyer from UC Santa Barbara, and Malika Jeffries-L from Boston University, whom I thank profusely. I'm also grateful to WGBH for permission to use that clip from one of my NOVA interviews. 
This podcast is a joint venture of Simon & Schuster and CBS Sunday Morning, and it's produced by PRX Productions. For Simon & Schuster, the executive producers are Richard Rohrer and Chris Lynch. The PRX production team is Jocelyn Gonzalez, Morgan Flannery, Pedro Rafael Rosado, and Morgan Church. Jesse Nelson composed the Unsung Science theme music. Our fact checker is Christina Ribello, and Olivia Noble fixed the transcripts. For more of my stuff, visit davidpogue.com or follow me on Twitter at Pogue. That's P-O-G-U-E. We'd love it if you'd like and follow Unsung Science wherever you get your podcasts. And spread the word, will you? If you like Unsung Science, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. I'm CBS News correspondent Major Garrett, host of the podcast Agent of Betrayal, The Double Life of Robert Hansen. During the Cold War, FBI agent Robert Hansen traded classified secrets to the Kremlin in exchange for cash and jewels. In the podcast, you'll hear from Hansen's closest friends, family members, victims, and colleagues for the most comprehensive telling of who Robert Hansen really was. Binge the entire series now. Agent of Betrayal, The Double Life of Robert Hansen is available on the Wondery app, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.